Tribe's mission. You folks are familiar with New Tribe's mission, Neil and Lita Sterling and the G. Jaggers as well. Uh, my wife and I served for 10 years in Bolivia with New Tribes, and then New Tribes asked us to serve as representatives. I guess my official title is Eastern Coordinator, and, um, but also teach missions. I'm very passionate about missions. But before we start, I know you don't know me from Adam, but uh, I want to tell you just, just a couple of brief things. Um, and I'm going to refer to this in the message, but, you know, I, I grew up attending church, but I wasn't saved. And uh, October 31st, 1992, um, the Lord convicted me. And the Lord convicted me of this, that his word is truth. And if his word is truth, then his truth sets the standard that it's his word that then governs my life. And I gave my life to the Lord. And uh, Psalms 12, verse 6 says, For the words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times. And, and, and God changed my life. And I, I got involved in church. And, and as I said, I'm very passionate about missions. But there's one thing you must know. I have not always been passionate about missions. In fact, the truth is that early on in my Christian life, I detested missionaries. I detested missionaries. I used to call them moochinaries. But you see, the Word of God changed my heart. The Word of God convicted me. And, and the Word of God continues to teach me and, and direct me. And, and, and folks, that's what needs to be our guide. That's why we need to study the Word of God, study to show thyself to prove un, unto God. And the more I, I study the Word of God, I, I, I see the emphasis on, on missions. And as you're familiar with New Tribes Mission, New Tribes Mission just went through a, a na name change, Ethnos. And, but a little bit of New Tribes Heritage. The reason I went with New Tribes Mission years ago was the emphasis that New Tribes Mission had. And, and that was our, our job was to take the gospel to those that hadn't heard. In 94, January of 94, I was working a full-time job. I was managing a dairy farm. And I'd been there 10 years and I'd never taken a vacation. Taken a day here or there, but never taken a vacation. And my boss told me I was taking a vacation, a paid vacation. Long story short, I went on a missions trip with New Tribes Mission to the jungles of Venezuela. And again, I had an attitude towards missions. I told our team leader on, on the way down, he said, Mike, why are you going to Venezuela? We were going to build a, a house in the jungle for a missionary. And I said, the reason I'm going is because this man is not a man. Because if he was a man, he could build his own house. So I'm going to build his house for him. And he said, okay, well, I was looking for a good argument, a good debate. And I didn't get one. But you know what? The second day I was there, God broke my heart. I was with some children. And my hair used to be red, and I had a beard. And, and these, these indigenous people that lived in this remote location in the jungle had never seen red hair before, and they'd never seen someone as hairy as me, and, and they just wanted to touch me all the time. And I was sitting down on a bank, and I had children all around me. And the missionary, Joe Cole was his name, come up to me and says, Mike, you're liking the attention. And I, I said, yes, I, I am. And he said, wow, well, that's interesting. And he said, you're just loving it. He said, you're feeling like a celebrity. And I said, well, no. 
And he said, Mike, he said, these people have never heard of Noah. They've never heard of David. They've never heard of Jesus. And so I said to Joe, why haven't you told them? And, and he said, I, I'm learning their language. That's why you come to build me a house. And, and Mike, they don't have a Bible in their language. And that's why I'm here. And, and it broke me. I thought, it's not fair. Because where I grew up in Woodstock, I can drive anywhere. And in a few minutes, I come across the church. I can get a Bible and many different translations. I can listen to a good message on the radio, on the internet. And these people don't have the Word of God. And I said, something's different, something's wrong about that, and something's got to be different. So I came home and, and quit my job and went to Bible school. And went to Bible school and, and came out married. But as I continue to study the Word of God, the Word of God continues to impress on me the same heartbeat that Paul Fleming had, the, the founders of New Tribes Mission, to take the gospel to those that haven't heard. And recently, New Tribes changed, we changed their name to Ethnos. And that's because if you do a word study on the word nations, you'll see Ethnos, Ethnos, Ethnos. And so we, we changed our name to Ethnos. Even though New Tribes Mission was founded... Back in the 40s, our heartbeat is still to reach those groups of people that haven't heard the gospel yet. And there are still many groups that haven't heard. And I believe that we have got to continue doing all we can to reach them. Well, let's pause and pray. Heavenly Father, just thank you for who you are. Thank you, God, for the amazing God that you are. I sent your Son to die on the cross for us. And then, God, you entrusted us with this message. It continues to amaze me that you use us, that you use people to reach your people. And God, guide us now as we look in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, when, when I, I do a study of, of history, there's one thing that just really stands out to me. And in fact, I, as I said, grew up going in to church and Sunday school, and you know what? I was taught the story of the Tower of Babel, but there was something that I missed in it. There was something that I missed in it. And if you got your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 11. There's something that I missed in this story that's, that's monumental. And the, the Tower of Babel. Imagine this in, in Genesis chapter 11. I'll start reading in verse 1. And the whole earth was of one language and one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and they dwelt there. And they said to one another, Go to, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slime they had for mortar. Now pay attention to verse 4. And if you underline or highlight in your Bible to help you study and remember, there, you should underline, highlight, indicate us in this verse. Verse 4 says this, And they said, Go to, let us, build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven. And let us make us a name, lest we become scattered abroad the f sorry, uh, be, be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. Now, years ago, I used to think the problem here was that they were building a tower and they were trying to get, get to heaven. 
And, and yes, that was, was part of the problem. But did you notice there it said, lest we be scattered abroad. Now, now that's interesting. Well, why did they not want to scatter? Well, you know, it's interesting how the Lord's leading in the breaking of bread this morning really appreciated what was shared and especially what Brother Gabriel shared. It turned back now to Genesis chapter 1. Gen Genesis chapter 1. The creation story. And you know, folks, one thing that disturbs me today is as I travel and, and speak, I, I, I meet people that sometimes say, well, I don't believe this about the Word of God. I don't believe this portion. Well, let me ask you this question. How can you pick and choose what you believe and what you don't believe? You can't. You can't. You know, two of my boys, we have three boys. My youngest son is here and our oldest two boys are at camp surfing. And, and our oldest and our youngest love football. And, and one time at a game, I asked the coach, I asked the coach this question. I said, I notice you're only running one play. I don't know much about sports. I'm not trying to critique you. I said, why are you only running one play? He said, because it works. And, and you know what? The enemy found a play that worked. Remember? Eve, what did he do? He planted a seed of doubt. And that's one thing that the enemy can continues to do today is to run that play of doubt in our minds. We, we, we can't say, well, I don't believe this passage. <laughs> We've got to believe every word. We can't alter it. We can't change it. We've got to follow it. It says, and in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. My first point this morning is God created everything. And I believe he did that. And, and think of the, the, the power, the, the wisdom. Like, like just think about the wisdom of God speaking this into existence and the power of God. Things that we are continuing to learn about. And he just spoke them into existence. But what an amazing God. And I believe that God created the heaven and the earth. And verse 2 says, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the earth. God created everything, and the earth was without void, and darkness was upon it. Let me ask you this question. Why did God create? Did God need anything? No, He didn't. He didn't need anything. God always was. He existed without this. Why did he create this? An amazing thing about God is he created this, and as it said, it was without form and void. God didn't leave it that way. He didn't leave it that way. My, my second point this morning is, is, is God created, every, or sorry, he filled everything he created. He didn't leave it with a void. We go on down through the next few verses and we won't take the time uh, to read them, but we'll see that God fills it. Everything that He created, He filled. We jump down to, to uh, a, a few verses further on. In fact, let's read verse 12. And the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after His kind, and the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself and His kind. And God saw that it was good. Think what God created just right there. When he created grass, herb yielding seed, and tree yielding fruit, <laughs> smell, color, texture, so many things. 
God created everything, and everything that He created, He filled. Well, as I said previously, why did God create everything? The third point this morning, you say, boy, you've got a lot of points, well, hang on. Everything God created, He created for a purpose. He created for a purpose. And everything that God created for a purpose was for His glory. Psalms 19, verse 1, the heavens declare what? The glory of God. I, I want to encourage you, folks. One thing that I've, I've noticed, in fact, I said to my wife as we were driving over here um, this, this morning, I, I said to her, have you noticed how many walking trails are here? We don't have that in Woodstock. And I said, have you noticed the walking trails? I would encourage you, <laughs> avail yourself to those walking trails and besides feed the mosquitoes, notice the creation. Notice what our God has created. And, and, and take time, sit out in the evening and notice His creation. The heavens declare the glory of God. Folks, God has changed me a lot. A number of years ago, I, I was angry. I was angry with the leadership of New Tribes Mission. I, I was, let's be honest, I was mad. I was mad. And, and I said to my wife, I'm going to go for a walk and cool off and, and pray. And, and I had talked to the leadership about a problem that had, had, had come up. And, and in my eyes, they, they weren't hearing me. And I was so upset with them. And I went for a walk. And, and oh, oh, by the way, folks, pray for your leadership. Pray for your leadership. Trust your leadership. Submit to your leadership. We're told to pray for them. And as I was walking along, I'd gone about two kilometers, and I, I was upset, and, and I was hoofing her right along, and there was a mud puddle there. And, and I went, and I went to step in the mud puddle. I didn't care about getting wet or muddy, and I stepped in that mud puddle. Unbeknownst to me, it was a hole. It was a very deep hole, and I fell, and I landed in the mud puddle. And I, I'm laying in this mud puddle, and I'm wet, and I roll onto my back. And it's just beginning to be dark. And, and, and folks, let me paint this picture for you. I'm mad. I'm angry. And I roll onto my back, and as soon as I roll onto my back, I saw the sky. I saw the stars. And for the first time in my life, I identified the Big Dipper. And I was like, wow. And right then and there, I confessed my sin. And I laid in that mud puddle. And I just laid on my back and I said, God, you're amazing. God, I am such a sinner. God, I need you. And I, I just laid there in that mud puddle, giving God the glory for his creation. And, and while I was laying there in that mud puddle, I, I understood leadership's point of view. It's like, oh yeah. In fact, I saw something flash for a second and it disappeared. And, and God said to me, Mike, you're just like that. You, you, you think, boy, I'm, I, I, I'm going to do something amazing. Pride, pride, pride. But you see, the heavens declare the glory of God. And folks, let's not miss out on that. Let's not miss out on what God is doing. Let, let's, let's come back to the foundation, the basics, and give God the glory for what He has created. And he created everything for a purpose. Now, now continuing on here in Genesis, jump down just a little bit to chapter 26. 
or sorry, chapter, chapter 1, verse 26, and, and it says, And God said, Let us make man in our image and our likeness. God said, Let us make man in our image. Remember that God created everything, and He created everything for a purpose, and, and that purpose was, was to glorify God. I, Isaiah 43, verse 7 says, Him whom I have created, I have created for my glory. And the reason we were created was to glorify God. But because of our, our sin nature, we, we, can't, we can't glorify God. In my flesh dwelleth no good thing. We, we can't. We can't. Now if you're in Genesis, jump over to chapter 9. I want to point something out here. You know the story of Noah. And after Noah and his family come off the ark, in, in Genesis chapter 9, verse 1, it says, And God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, Be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth. Jump down to verse 7. And you be fruitful and multiply, bring forth abundantly in the earth, and multiply therein. Isn't it interesting that the earth was full of, of sinful people, and because of the sin, God destroyed everything but Noah and his family. And now he's saying, go forth, replenish, multiply, fill the earth. Why? Why did God create? Remember, he created for a purpose. He created for a purpose. And now come back to chapter 11. And isn't it interesting, as it says here again, let me read verse 4. And they said, go to, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven. And let us make a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the earth. The whole earth. You see, they didn't want to be scattered abroad. I, I believe coming back to what we just read in chapter 9, that God desired for mankind to fill the earth. He didn't want us to all be, be clustered up. Now, I'm not against cities, okay? I'm from the country. But God desired for uh, mankind to fill the earth. Why? Remember that everything He created was for His glory. Man did not want to scatter. And, and then it tells us, reading on, and the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man buildeth. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one. They have all one language. And this they begin to do. And now nothing will restrain from them which they have imagined to do. Go to, let us go down, and therefore confuse their language, that, that they may not understand one another's speech. I was taught... That what happened, I was taught many years ago that what happened was the people were building the tower and then all of a sudden the one guy passed the brick to another and said, here you go, lay another brick. And then the guy said to him, yo no entiendo nada. Que voy said. And then the guy beside him said, I was taught that because people couldn't understand each other that they dispersed. I was taught that. But if you read verse 8, that's not what happened. 
It says, so the Lord scattered them abroad. The Lord scattered them abroad. Isn't it interesting? Back up again to verse 4. And they said, lest we be scattered. They didn't want to scatter. And what did God do? He scattered them. He scattered them. In fact, going on to verse 9. Therefore, the name of it called Babel. Because the Lord did therefore confuse the language of all the earth. And from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad. The Lord scattered them abroad, the earth. In fact, Acts chapter 17, verse 26 reiterates that. And says that that's where the Lord placed them. And, and now we have people all over the face of the earth. Which was God's desire. And then to fast forward a little bit, we know that our Lord came. And we know that for by one offering He hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Our Lord Jesus Christ said in John chapter 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. What do we say? Sin is represented by darkness, darkness. Jesus said, I, I am the light of the world. And He came and invested and some people we call disciples. And what did he tell them disciples to do? He told them to go. Go into all the world. And preach the gospel. To every people group. Because of, in, in Genesis chapter 11, that people are scattered abroad. That they're scattered abroad. And we need to go to them with the gospel. Turn now with me, I just referred to it, but turn to John chapter 8. Jo John chapter 8 and verse 12. And it said, Thus spake Jesus unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. You know, it's a tremendous study to study this. I am the light of the world. Isn't it amazing? You studied out, we didn't touch on it in Genesis chapter 1, but in the beginning there was, there was what? No need of the sun, moon, or stars. God created it. You go to Revelation chapter 21, you see what? The new Jerusalem. And it says that there's no, what? Sun, moon, or stars, because there's no need of it. For the Lamb is the light thereof. Jesus is the light of the world. And then this verse continuing on says, I am the light of the world. He that followeth after me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. When we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ... We no longer walk in darkness, but we have the light of life. And, and this is how I equate it. I, I know that we're in summertime and it's warm. So I'm a little hesitant to use this example. But I want you to think of a Christmas tree. And, and I know that, that probably in, in, in this crowd we're all different. My wife is a perfectionist. When we were first married, she used to kill me decorating the Christmas tree. Because see, when my wife puts the lights on, she puts the lights on, and then she has to stand over here and look at the tree. And then she has to stand over here and look at the tree. And then she has to go over there and look at the tree. And then she asked me to go over here and there. And she even asked me to go outside and look in through the window. But you know what my wife does not like is she doesn't like dark spots. She likes a tree that is nicely lit. And my wife has trained me well because, in fact, this past year I pointed out a spot. 
and I woke up in the hospital. <laughs> but you know what? Regardless of your personality and likes, I don't think anybody grabs a set of lights and just flings them on the Christmas tree. We like a tree that's well lit. And, and when God scattered the people across the earth, it's just like that Christmas tree, folks. Those that haven't heard the gospel, dark, dark, dark. Those that have, the light have come on. And, and if we were to look on, on, on the earth from space, wherever there are born-again believers, there's a light. And, and you see, folks, there's places in the world today that is dark. And we have a responsibility to go with the light. We have a, a responsibility. Tells us in Revelation chapter 5, verse 9, that someday there's going to be gathered from every tribe, kindred, tongue, and nation gathered around the throne singing, worthy is the Lamb. Isn't that going to be a tremendous, tremendous day when we're there just worshiping the Lord, those of us born-again believers? And we have got a responsibility to, because, you know, folks, there is a lot of people around the world that haven't heard yet. Back in 94, I was exposed to the first time to the Makut people. But you know what? Now the light is there because they now have received the gospel. They now have the word of God. What an amazing God we have that back here at the Tower of Babel, do you know that there's 6,912 languages and every one of them has a grammatical structure? Isn't that amazing? I don't know if you like grammar or not, but it's amazing and it's amazing the differences in languages and God just, boom, spoke them into existence. Now, depending on how you break it down, if you go to a website called peoplegroups.org, they claim that, that there's over 10,000 different dialects, different languages. But let me break this down for you a little bit, folks. With over 6,000 languages in the world, that only portions of them have God's Word. Only portions. That, isn't it sad that out of 6,912, that only 518 have God's Word? The entire Bible. There's something wrong with that. There's something wrong with that. We, we've been given the commission of going. And only 518 have? About 2,000, plus or minus, have the New Testament. Praise the Lord for that. But what about the Old Testament? What about the Old Testament? There's roughly 2,000 that, that, that are in the progress, that there's missionaries. One thing that's exciting about New Tribes Mission, Ethnos, that's happening every 75 days, a new people group receives the Word of God in their language. It's pretty exciting. But every 75 days? Guys, if there's about 2,000 people groups that don't have God's Word, if it's taken us 75 days to get the Bible in a language group, how long is it going to take us to reach them? We've got a job to do. We, we've got a responsibility because there's over 2,000. This year, 2017, New Tribes Mission is sending teams into 17 new people groups. But you know what? We have 109 people groups that have requested missionaries. 
that have requested someone come and teach them the word of God. And we're praying. We're praying for people to be raised up. We're praying at NBBI that people will study, be trained to enter ministry, to go to the mission field, because we have people that want to be taught the Word of God. We have so many needs here in Atlantic Canada, don't we? Now if you've got your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. We, we live in the country, so we have a small garden. And, and you know what? Just yesterday, I, I picked some beets. I pulled some beets, rather. Oh, man, they're good. Fresh beet greens right out of the garden. There's nothing like it coming right out of your own garden. I, I like things that are homegrown. But you know what? Something else that I like is what I call homegrown missionaries. People that are raised in a church, that are raised in assembly, and they're taught the Word of God. And they grow and mature in, in that local assembly. And in that local assembly, just like Acts chapter 13, sends them forth. By the way, I've got to commend you. As a professor, I was very impressed with Nicholas this year. I was very impressed with his papers. I was also very impressed with Mary and her papers. Some of them were a little longer than I had anticipated was very impressed with Gabrielle and the maturity. This is not flattery, folks. I want to challenge you to continue to train your young people. Continue to invest in your college and career and your young people so that you will continue to have young people who are maturing in their faith. Don't grow weary in doing well. We need churches, assemblies to continue to, to nurture their young and, and to support them when they go to Bible school, when they go into to, to ministry. So continue that, folks. Don't grow weary. Continue to pray. Continue to pray for those that are outside the fold. Continue to do that. It is so exciting, guys, what is doing. This has been my most exciting year teaching at NBBI because seeing young people that came that were mature. A couple of years ago, was very challenging but it is so exciting and now Matthew chapter 5 tells us this verse 13 ye are the salt of the earth but if the salt hath lost its savor wherewith shall it be salted it is thence good for nothing but to be cast out to be trodden under foot of man Let's be careful not to lose our savor. We've got to continue in the Word of God. We've got to continue by faith. And then verse 14 says, Ye are the light of the world. For three and a half years in Bolivia, we lived in a village with no electricity, with no running water. And I really appreciated this verse because sometimes I would be out and coming home at night and, and we had batteries. And, and, and we had, if you take the taillight bulb of what they used to have in a car years ago, we used to have one of those hanging in a room. Just one taillight. And as I would be walking home, folks, you wouldn't believe how far away I could see that light. And, and how excited I would get as I got closer to just that one little taillight. And it was amazing. We are the light of the world. 
We need to let our light shine. A city is set on a hill that cannot be hid. Neither do man light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. That, that one bulb that we used to have, we, we didn't put it by my desk. We didn't put it in a corner. We hung it from the ceiling at the highest point so it would light the whole room. And I'm afraid today that often we're ashamed, we're embarrassed of our light, and we're not letting it shine. We need to let our light shine. And we need to remember the motive for letting our, our light shine in, in verse 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. What? And glorify your Father. Remember our purpose. Everything that God created, He created for a purpose. He created for His glory. And His reason for that was to glorify Himself. And folks, when we, when we invest in someone and, and when we plant the seed and when that seed germinates, the light comes on and, and, and God is glorified. So as we head out into this week, let's let our light shine. Let's let our light shine. Let's pray for those that don't know the Lord. Let's pray that the lights will come on. Let's pray for those areas that do not have the gospel. Let's pray that God will raise someone up to go as, as I grew up singing a song, send the light, send the light. So folks, as we head on this week, let's let our light shine and glorify our Father which is in heaven. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the amazing God that you are. God, these are challenging days. But if we reflect history, we remember that there's always been challenging days. We read the book of Acts. We think of the persecution the believers went through. Lord, as we head into this week, may we let our light shine. Our neighbors, as my one missionary friend says, across the street, across the globe, that wherever we are, that we'll let our light shine. And as we sang the song, Lord, may we let it shine by faith. May we walk by faith, not by sight, trusting you to sow seeds God, we'll be careful to give you the praise for what you choose to do. And God, I ask you to raise up young people. Young people, Lord, with a heart for your word. Young people, Lord, that are willing to go where you have them to go. And Father, may we stand behind them. May we continue to press on those that are here. This city needs the light. And we give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.